They're coming to get you, Loken. Welcome to the most zombie-filled episode of Zero to 40K, the podcast where I drag my friends kicking and screaming into the Warhammer universe. With me, as always, are my co-hosts. Sarah, you excited to talk about zombies? I am very excited to talk about zombies. I was really into this section. So Yes, yeah. just zombies for days. Eric, hey. feeling good about zombies? Yes. I just and... want an excuse to do a Night of the Living Dead reference. So Ah, okay. I can't, I can't follow you on that path. Our theme, but uh, yes, of only the timeliest references. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I enjoyed listening to Becky Bros. Sorry, you said that earlier. Now I can't get that phrase out of my head. Stogging through the marsh and mire. Yes, good times. There's. We're going to talk about. I want to talk a little bit about Graham McNeil's thesaurus, thesaurus, as I tried to say, the source. Shannon, hello. Hello. And a spoiler alert at the end of this episode. The last survivor is going to get shot in the head by law enforcement. <laughs> Wait, were they law enforcement at the end of? Well, the I think no, so. they were just. Or was it just hicks, a mob? Right? Just, okay. Yeah. Because like they showed then all the hicks like uh, getting yeah. all their guns together Spoiler and having a good old time for a, for a 1960s sixty-year-old um, <laughs> movie. <laughs> yeah. That one person that was like, as soon as this podcast episode's over, I'm going to finally watch Night of the Living Still, Dead. Still, pause this episode and go watch Night of the Living Dead. It's good. It's a great movie. I like it. Chapter six. Zombies. 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 Petronella does the most dumb and Inigo Maggard Toya. So that one was a a little stretch, but we'll get there. Um, So, yeah, we just start off with uh, Space Marines landing on Davin and there's a lot of mists and rot and gross swamps that they're they're tromping through on their way to this thing. We have we have Titans stomping along with them, um, which seems overkilly, but uh, but they're very excited to go murder the hell out of uh, Yugentemba. what I, I just wanted to say here that they they said it says uh, of course he couldn't see them through the yellow mist so each company kept in regular vox contact to try and ensure they weren't separating how would the vox help with that exactly yeah that's a good say i'm in this place i can't describe <laughs> yeah, right. i'm also in a place i can't yeah. describe what can you see mist <laughs> mostly <laughs> We're not moving I the wrong way. I don't understand how the fox would. Help. There's a bloated rotting tree. <laughs> oh, that bloated rotting tree. Well, that it sort of brings me to. So when we watch like other sci-fi and like Star Trek and all of those, they're always like scanning the surface and doing things, and they do none of that in the 40k universe. Like they land there and they're like, "Fuck, it's a swamp down here." <laughs> I thought it was a desert. <laughs> it's like did no, and you don't send they anyone do. ahead of time. I have a lot to say about reconnaissance as we go through, which this. they do zero. Yeah, they of. do zero of, but. I was getting a real mi- – I didn't know what was going to happen. I was upset that we had never seen a zombie since Jubal, but I didn't know if ju- zombies were going to ever come back. Same. And so when the mist was all around them, I was thinking, ooh, is this like Stephen King? Are we going to have monsters in the mist? And and then at the end of the theatrical version, like, Loken's going to have to kill Torgaden with his last bolter blast so he doesn't get <laughs> – just so spoilers for the mist, <laughs> which is less ancient than still a very timely pretty, reference, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, no, no, recon- and like I love that they describe that they send all these landers down and all these troops, and they're like, oh yeah, they sank in the mud and died. 
And it's yeah. like, oh, you you didn't send anyone down first to be like, hey, it's muddy. Don't, <laughs> I was, don't send To tanks. be fair, I feel like some of, especially like the Mornival, mostly Logan, are upset about that. They're mm-hmm. like, should we not have like checked some shit out first? Yeah. Like they compare it to, what was that guy's name? On oh, murder. Eidolon. Eidolon. Yeah, like what Eidolon did on murder in yeah. the first book. Yeah, because Abaddon's like, I'm not like Eidolon at all. And they're yeah. like, oh, you're not like him at all. Like, sure. <laughs> yeah. My favorite part is that Petronella doesn't understand consent. <laughs> Petronella's an idiot. Petronella. Petronella doesn't understand consent. If someone says no to her, but she sees a glint in uh, their eye. I wrote down glint of mischief, <laughs> yeah. you idiot. That is my, my note. Though the war master had politely but firmly declined her request to travel to the surface, she had been sure there was a glint of mischief in his eye. Yes. Uh, and she, well, and I love, so like, they're down there and they're wandering through the mists and then the shit hits the fan mm-hmm. and zombies show up um, and they start bubbling out of the mud and they're attacking. They're like supernaturally strong and everything's going to hell and the Titans all like who the fuck shooting at things. We don't know what's happening. We're getting like real like aliens vibes of like everyone shouting and no one knowing what's going on and, and no one knows how to help anybody. Um, and then, of course, this little ship comes out of nowhere <laughs> and the Titans like, what the fuck is that? It's like it's not a ship that it's not one of ours. So. <laughs> Fucking shoot it, and Petronella gets the fuck shot down. Cause well, it's so no, funny. she had landed first, right? No, 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 no. She's just she's going to look for a landing spot, oh. and then then a Titan appears out of nowhere it's because the such mist. a funny cut from inside the Titan where they're like, "What is that?" And they're like, "Well, it's not one of ours, so it must be an enemy." Then to their ship being like, "Oh no!" A sudden comedic beat in the I, middle of this zombie fight. Yeah, I just want to say, like, for the record, I feel like this section has really won me over yeah. to this this book trilogy, right? right? <laughs> I just feel like it's it ha- actually was super uh, entertaining. I, yeah. yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, I, I do think, like I say, we get to a lot. We're starting to get into a, this is a 40Kism a bit. That there's a lot of plaguey, gross zombie monsters in Warhammer. And so you start seeing a lot of these same words over oh. and over and over again. And we were getting to see some <laughs> gobbets of wet gray meat. And there's a lot of shambling and things are grotesquely descended and mm-hmm. stinking matter. And it's mm-hmm. it's we're going to see a lot of those. And they run out of adjectives. Well, quickly. I was going to say there was one sentence I I can't find it right now, but that had flesh in it twice, and I'm like, you can't do that. <laughs> More. You can't say fleshy in one place and yeah. flesh in another. You just can't. They're fleshy flesh. More yeah. fleshy flesh. I did really like though that Petronella's. It's it's a two wrongs making a right situation. Oh, where, like, I know. Everyone's confused and no one can do anything. No one knows what's going on. Yeah. And then the ship explodes in the middle of things. And everyone's like, oh, shit, we can rally to the big flames over there. I know. <laughs> so, I actually I actually put that. I, I wrote down Petronella accidentally helped. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that would have been a better uh, that would have been a better <laughs> intro thing. So about Petronella, I don't yeah. like her. Yeah. <laughs> but the sexism in the book. Oh, yeah. Oh, mm. we talk about a lot. I made a specific point that, like, she's worried about creasing her dress oh, at one yeah. point. I'm I like, marked that, too. Come on. I know. And, and I think, here's the thing. I do think it's supposed to be specific to her and not, not to women, women as a whole. Yeah. But the problem is they don't have that many women in, yeah. the, in the world. And, and to the fact that Horace that. calls her girly, girly or whatever yeah. all of the time. It's just, mm. yeah. you yeah. know, having that already there. 
Yeah. Well, and especially with the what this author has done to like Euphrates Keeler, like oh. I know it's just very because Euphrates was a good. She was interesting. Yeah. You know, I yeah. thought in the hands of a. a more nuanced author mm-hmm. Petronella would have been like, oh, that's Petronella's hangups. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 But yeah, but it doesn't come off that way. Nuance and is not Graham McNeil's special. Petronella. I was trying to picture like what actress might play her. And I, I came up with Kate Blanchett in my head for some reason. Uh, oh, I don't know. For I, some reason, I thought she was very young. OK. But I don't know if that's maybe that's just because she's. Yeah. Because I, I think she's really inexperienced. Yeah. I think she's yeah. just establishing herself uh, as I like a, so. a writer. I was a imagining document. she spent some years as like a debutante uh, and then and then was trying to get serious later in life. Oh, but I maybe don't know. Not. I thought like because her family like this is their family's oh, okay. thing is okay. that they become documentarists or whatever. And, All right. I'm mistaken. Yeah. I was thinking Florence Pugh. And I think that's Ooh. just because I love Florence Pugh. And I think. She is that could how make you this say character. Her name? I'm pretty I've sure I no, could be wrong. I've just never known. And yeah. now I'm like, I've been saying like, uh. <laughs> <laughs> just like that. That, uh. that could be right. Hey, Florence, if you're listening. Yes, which you are, I'm sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you pronounce That's it? That's actually uh. a really good casting. Yeah. Well, you know, she's Princess Irulan in mm-hmm. the new. Yeah. yeah. Speaking that's of that's probably why Dune references. Well, no, I wish that's what I was. <laughs> I wish that's what I was jumping on. Speaking of fashion choices and stuff, Logan's apparently not wearing a helmet down here in the no, stinky swamp. Well, pretty quickly in here, a skeleton wraps its hands around its ne- his neck. Well, but he he definitely has a helmet on because later on he's going to have a bunch of shit all over. Yeah, his. that's what I was kind of thinking. Later so how is that skeleton choking, strangling him? Well, I mean, look, they got to keep the you got to get show off those necks. <laughs> yeah, it's like, <laughs> you think it's like a joint in the armor. <laughs> yeah, I think sealed, I think it's yeah. a joint in the armor. I think is what's I'm happening. The most, one of the most vulnerable. He's parts. Still, I think it's bad writing has, personally. Yeah, yeah. But. Oh gosh, he he still has a neck. <laughs> like, but is it out? Um, but back to Maggard, though. Then that, that's who we get to. Petronella. So they, oh, her yeah. ship crashes. They're being assaulted by zombies uh, left and right, and we finally get to see this curly and rapier mm-hmm. finally get some work done. Where apparently it just pokes things and they die, which yeah. I think is it like stabs souls. And I was hoping it stabbed souls, and it apparently just stabs souls dead. Um, and he kills a million billion zombies before the the space marines get there and rescue them. Um, and they're all super impressed by him. And then Horace gets real grumpy about the fact that he's like, who are you, warrior? And he's like, can't talk. <laughs> can't talk. And she's like, he can't say. And it's like, doesn't he speak gothic? And it's like, oh, no, but we removed his vocal cords. And right. it's like, oh, gross. Yeah, yeah. he yeah. says it's gross. Meanwhile, being served by a million servitors. Speaking yeah. of, and this is the Dune reference I could have made a second ago. Walter, what is a Dotrina wafer? So, first of all, that's a I comment confident that is a misspelling of doctrina wafer which is a thing that you put in because they can't have proper robots Mm -hmm. so they have their like commands on these little like wafer things that they put into servitors and other things to like give them their and then they like read braille with their tongue no but then like they (laughs) insert in like some whatever sort of connection they have yeah i don't know why it's a wafer because i think that's more of an englishism for like a small like the shape like a disc sort of thing yeah because who is it? Somebody pulls one out of a servitor and they die. And I was what it just reminded me of Dune, at least in the Lynch movie. I don't know if this is from the book. Um, the Harkonnen versions of servitors, his little boys have like plugs in their chest that he like unplugs and black water comes out and they die, oh. which is very Dune-y, that scene to me. Wow. I think 
Is that the reference they're saying as he's like hitting these things yes, with his rapier? They that, like, die like a like servitor of yeah. okay, doctrina okay, wafer removed. Yes. That's good because I had no idea what that meant. So I'm glad that you asked. And I'm <laughs> confident, again, that's a, a typo that it's supposed okay. to be doctrina. And now that we know what servitors are, it's like I'm really watching for all yes. of the terrible things that they're mm-hmm. subjected to. But yeah, but it is speaking- weird. Oh, that I was just going to say, it's weird that in a society that they're like, yeah, we lobotomize people to make servant robots. Uh, and it's like, and you removed his vocal cord. How <laughs> yes, barbaric. Horrifying. Uh-huh. Anyway, wine servitor. <laughs> I just want to say that even through all this grossness, we couldn't go without talking about the War Master's physical perfection and beauty. Oh, yeah. So beautiful. But, but the thing that really pissed me off, because I had also written like uh, Maggard's my favorite character. <laughs> like, yeah, the, uh, but this Really made me mad when she, she struggled for words, still in awe of his magnificent presence. He had saved her. The war master had personally saved her, and she wept to know his touch. What the fuck? What about Maggard, Just you fuck piece Maggard. Of shit? Yes. <laughs> To be fair, it also felt like she suddenly had a crush on Maggard. Yes. Because she talks about, like, yeah. huh, I've never noticed Maggard before is, like, very much the vibe after Now he... that I know how good he can do his job or something. She yeah. Said, yeah. Yeah, look at those arms now. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. I like during the, I didn't write a quote, but I liked during the like their crash at some point. She's like, he's trying to communicate to her like what danger is happening. And I'm like, yeah, maybe you don't. Of all of the people <laughs> whose vocal cords you remove, maybe not your bodyguard. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably not the smartest plan. Uh-huh. Yeah. There's yeah. a well, this is gonna be a, a weird digression, but there's a a faction in Warhammer called the Sisters of Silence later on, and I am constantly mad. And that they take these vows of silence and then they have to speak through like this like sort of awkward sign language for everything. But people are almost always communicating via radios. And it's like this is <laughs> a terrible plan. <laughs> like and it's the same thing. It's like you need this person needs to be able to say, watch out occasionally. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it's it's a weird thing to to do. I did have a question here. Is Maggard just like a normal man who's really good at fighting or is he an Astartes like I he is a curly and blade I think that's what they did. well he's he's a normal dude but he's been given like implants or whatever okay. like they talk about that he has scars from his modifications but he's not like a space marine okay but he's like a person that's cooler than like Joe person but I feel like that's even more striking than how well he does in this fight because we have a lot of oh, space yeah. marines who get pulled into and the swamp he doesn't <laughs> seem to have like a lot of armor or anything no he's he's the well it's the you have to have your like two genres of fighter. You have the person with like all the armor and then the person that wears no armor, but it's real quick. And those are always equivalent in all things <laughs> like those are even strategies brought in. All right. But they finally they they fight their way through. And then you see in the distance they come across Yugentemba's flagship, the glory of Terra. <laughs> I want to point out real quick. Dan isn't the only author who is good at a subtle metaphor. I'm using quote marks for those listening. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. um, Erebus's oaths are ripped from his shoulder during the battle. Oh, I was like, oh, yeah, I see what's happening there. Wink. <laughs> that's a good, good bit. Um, so chapter seven, Horus Lupercal, tactical genius. Graham McNeil breaks out the thesaurus. Yugen Temba at last, I guess. So, yeah, we go into chapter seven with uh, Horace again, genius war master chosen for his brilliant tactical insight, for the fact that he's a keen commander and and strategist. And he just makes 
18 million mistakes and everyone tells him that he's wrong. And then he gets literally petulant about it and makes Loken sit outside because Loken had the audacity to be like, maybe we send anyone in to investigate first or just like blow it up with the Titans we have here. Or maybe you don't go in first. And everyone's just mad all the time. I've placed a meme that I made for this chapter here on the on the screen. If you'd like to describe <laughs> what's happening so it here is from the good place. And it's uh, yeah. Um, what's his name? Ted Danson. Ted Danson from the good place is Loken saying, you know, Torgadden figured it out. Yeah, because Torgadden is like, it's a trap. And yeah. I was thinking to myself. Even Torgadden figured this shit yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. And so I made that little, uh, you know, from whenever in the good place, it's Jason figured it out. Jason, this one hurts. I really like, though, that you have Ted Danson coming up to horse's waist. In the yeah. meme picture. That so has to go can... on Instagram. Okay, yeah. Yeah. I'll post this somewhere. There, it'll be it'll be somewhere. Yeah, more memes. That's what we really need to, to up our meme game. Um. But yeah, so then and they are going to storm in. And of course, Erebus is there to try to, like, egg them along because they're all like Erebus is so obviously the bad guy. Like, uh-huh. it's really disappointing that no one uh-huh. <laughs> figures it out for spoiler alert, I guess, looking ahead for several more chapters. Right. It's like it was it's like reading a mystery with the dumbest Sherlock Holmes that you've <laughs> ever had. <laughs> and- and yeah, even at this point, and I feel that L- Loken knows that Erebus has lied a bunch of times still, and he's like, I don't know if I trust this guy. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, he if he had a mustache, he would be twirling it. For sure. At these moments. He's like, oh, this must be the ship. This is where the signal's coming. Yeah. You gotta get in there. Yeah. And then they're like, maybe we should go in there. And it's like, oh, are you afraid to go in there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and and Horace uses, I didn't have the quote from him, but he uses the most faulty logic. Like, all we do is Constantly. take risks. Because he's, he's, he's acting as if all levels of risk, risk are equivalent. All levels of risk are not only equivalent, but unavoidable if you're going to be doing any of these things. And it's like, it's like, it's like people who are like... Um, you know, everything gives me cancer, so I'm just going to keep smoking and not wearing sunscreen. Mm-hmm. Like, that's Horace. <laughs> yeah. Well, he has two two quotes that I have here that I pulled for my notes. Wars are not won by thinkers, which I feel is not a good thing for your guy in charge of your entire war effort. This guy's like, I don't like all this thinking in my wars. And mm-hmm. then the whole art of war consists of guessing what is on the other side of the hill, which brings us to your reconnaissance oh. thing. Uh-huh. A large part of war, I feel, is sending yeah. someone to investigate what's on the other side well, of the hill so you can make good decisions. Yeah, that particular sentence I wrote down, too, that the whole art of war consists of guessing what is on the other side of the hill. I wrote that can't be true. And I would also like to ask any veterans who might be listening to our podcast to chime in is this the way war works <laughs> no no looking ahead no investigating no trying to gather Email intelligence 0240k pod at gmail.com so this <laughs> so this leads into a, a wee dis- digression i have here about this and i think i i've gotten Not a digression i love a digression um so like there was a study back in the day about people that had damage to a part of their brain that processed fear, like the amygdala or whatever, and they had them like do problem solving things. So like the the study is like uh, you looked at two pictures and you were said told that's like, OK, you're out at night. It's the middle of the night. Your car broke down. You have no phone. 
uh, who do you approach to see about getting help in this situation? And you had two pictures to look at. And one picture was like a sweet old lady. And the other picture was like an obvious murderer, like just like a, a clearly psychopath, like and, and not just shamelessly so. And the normal people are all like, I'm going to go talk to the old lady, like inevitably. And the people that had this damage to their fear parts of their brain would just like 50 50 and it's like sometimes and they would justify it after the fact with things like ah, an old lady might not have a phone so i'll talk to this younger guy who's clearly this young a guy with a hatchet clearly. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's the idea is that a lot of our how we make good decisions is based on being scared of the consequences of bad decisions yeah as and someone who has picked up hitchhikers maybe i'm missing whatever that <laughs> brain <laughs> thing is not but so we use fear to make a decision so when they bred fear out of these space marines i'm starting to think maybe their ability to make good choices <laughs> is also gone. But did they breed the fear well, out of them? No, is they the absolutely did not. There's, I had another quote. Which I don't want to skip ahead too much yeah, yeah, from yeah. where we are. I, but have, I, I think it's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yes, there's some definite, they're feeling fear or not feeling fear, fear or not fear. Things very adjacent to fear. Right. <laughs> but never fear. They sort of vaguely know about fear. But anyway, they, they're, they're not going to do any reconnaissance and they're going to go into the giant spaceship. They send... Erebus, Erebus, whatever, to the other side of the ship where no one can mm -hmm. see him. That's just classic, <laughs> yeah. like, B-movie stuff, yeah. you know. We trust this guy so much that we're just going to let him go off on his own. Uh -huh. You just be, don't, I'm sure you're not going to get up to any no good yeah. over there on your own, alone. Did anybody else notice that Horace called the zombies handsome? <laughs> Well, I missed that it was a good, it was a sarcastic bit. I, oh, okay. everything's handsome. Actually, I had a, uh, that's my line of, um, I think I wrote that down because I wanted to hear that in a Matt Berry voice. <laughs> like, because he says, well, you're a handsome bunch and no mistake. And I just, I immediately put, and I kind of now just want Matt Berry to play Horace in this show. <laughs> I'd watch that. Oh, that would be the best 100 casting. 100% into it. Henry Cavill, if you're listening, that's what we want to see. Yeah, go talk Horace to of London. <laughs> Horace of Cathonia. Uh -huh, yes. so, and it would be, yeah, I would watch that show. Modern references. Yeah. We're close to modern. Well, For us, very yeah. modern references. Yeah. That show's practically recent. Matt Berry's on a current popular TV show. Um, but so anyway, they wander into the ship and they're and and lo and behold, it's kind of a trap. And the ship falls apart and everyone gets separated. No one can communicate. And uh, yeah. what happened to the ship? I could not picture what was happening. Same. I had a hard time. I was tr I tried to reread stuff. I was like, did this ship jump up and sink or what happened i'd presume that the ship had like hit and like part of it was sticking up like at an angle like a suspended above the ground like it was all and then like that broke off did it titanic fell down. yes it titanic okay <laughs> yes i think 100 percent i tried really hard to picture what was happening and it well, just did just not. go watch like, titanic so like in the marsh at an angle and then that top hey, part look yeah. I don't okay. have to go watch Titanic because I saw it in theaters. Wow. Okay. Did the Remembrancers keep playing their writing their music <laughs> as the ship sank? I mean, they were, Petronella kind of did. Yeah, they were. Um, they were composing "My Heart Will Go On," the space edition. Ooh. <laughs> Somebody wants to write "My Heart Will Go On" for 40k. Uh, we'll get in there. But um, mm -hmm. so I then Horace is that. Horace is separated from all his bros, um, and he's trapped. He has a spear went through his chest which he's just like eh, no biggie um and we have to get to and i want to know if anyone else noticed they mentioned yet another one of of horace's brothers one of his fellow primarchs of the 10th legion ferris manis and ferris manis 
which is obviously fake Latin for Iron Hand. He leads a legion called the Iron Hands. (laughs) And that's a thing in Warhammer. And it is the I've been waiting for chapters for them to mention this so we can talk about the dumbest legion with the dumbest Primarch name. That's Walter's like, here for the Warhammer people who are still listening. Yes. Yeah. The two of you out there are very excited. As I try to segue into Lord of the Rings real quick, <laughs> it's like how Theoden, I think, is like an Old English or something. And some of the language means king. So King Theoden is King King. Yeah. Same nice. thing. Yeah. Iron Hand of the or, Iron Hand. Uh, well, Re- the be- Remus I was about to say Remus Did they call him? Did they call? Did the, his parents name him Remus Lupin before he got bit by? It a, seems like yeah. it. Which seems You're like, just asking for trouble yeah. at that point. <laughs> they Wouldn't it be to, a riot if this guy got bit by a werewolf later? He got yeah. bit by a werewolf because they felt like his name was mocking them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and made all the werewolves mad. This yeah. motherfucker. <laughs> but also, Ferris Manus does have literal iron hands. Also, oh my so. god, I hate that so. <laughs> yeah, that's upsetting. So, we'll, and then we'll again, s- which ones came first? Yes. Um, was he born Iron Hands? Born and they're like, he's like, I'm going to get some Iron Hands yeah, later in life. It has to be. You're not you born renamed? as a baby with Iron Hands. Maybe no. he changed his name when he's like, I've got sweet yeah. Iron Hands now. Are Primarchs born as babies, though? Or are they just like that's made? Like, so that's good, a question good I have. Actually, this is OK. Let's a little bit. <laughs> and are they is, gigantic babies oh, if they're babies? <laughs> well, there's a thing later. So we get into a little bit later that all of the, the Primarchs were made, and I think we're going to see it in the next section of this book. The Primarchs were made, and then they got scattered across the galaxy. Yeah. Um, and they all landed on a different planet. But yeah, they were in like a little Superman-esque baby carrier from space, <laughs> and they landed on these different planets, and they all pop out of them, and they don't know anything. They're just like, on this planet, what? they don't know what they are or it's what's going plan. on. Why? And then it's it's it, things went wrong. You'll get to. I but, can't imagine why that plan would turn out badly. Right. <laughs> and so yeah, so all of these little baby Primarchs pop up on planets and then do cool things because they're all demigods um, that we get to. Um, but yeah, Ferris Manus uh, acquired some Iron Hands over the course of it, and then I guess decided to call himself Latin for Iron Hands. All Iron Hands. And then by convenience, the legion he was chosen to lead was already called the Iron Hands. <laughs> no, no. Wait, it was the already. Was, I believe they were him. already the Iron Hands beforehand. Although I have to, I'll have to double. Just waiting for the perfect Listeners, leader to if come you're along. Into Warhammer, please. <laughs> Please write in as often as you can to tell Walter how wrong he is about things. <laughs> it's easy. Well, I can break out my, I will enjoy my old horse heresy books to see. Anyway, that's not important. The important thing is he has a cool sword that Ferris Manus made for him. And he was talking about his brother and, and whatever. Uh, he wanders around the ship for a long time. They fight a bunch of Cyclopean monsters. Um, we're seeing a lot of these like evil demon zombie things that all have one eyeball and we use the word cyclopean just way 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 too many times well, we have uh, to have foreshadowing for chapter nine yeah yes uh, i i really loved though the part when he's like alone in the ship and then the zombies appear the way he describes that happening was so horror movie and so cool oh yeah like a hand comes through one of the doors <laughs> and you just see like the clawed and then it like rips the door apart and then there's a bunch of zombies all of a sudden yeah and then it was the quote that i loved which was the sensation of fear was utterly alien to horace (laughs) but when the horrifying source of the sounds was revealed he was suddenly seized with the conviction that perhaps his captains had been right all along (laughs) it's like no shit (laughs) yeah 
It's well, like, I, what I really like about these zombies, though, is that we get different levels like a video game. Yes. Yeah. Is we get we get the mid-level bosses and then we get the mid-level bosses and then we get the big boss of Yugen Temple. This whole section felt like a Resident Evil. Yeah. Like. Yeah. They got to turn this into a game. Oh, yeah. Now I want to see. Hack and slash. I, I want to see Horace walking down a hallway and then like sort of awkwardly turning and backing up and like looking for an item and like finding two bolter shells and a plant in a crate. <laughs> and uh, yes, yeah, just go full in. And then it cuts to a cutscene. <laughs> and then, yeah. Um, but yeah, he makes way and we start hearing the whispers of Nergleth over and over. Um, Spooky things uh, he gets. And this is another. Uh, so we get to one of these classic moments in these Warhammer books where people walk into rooms and somehow don't notice the giant thing in the room because uh, he goes into the room and he sees like there's a bunch of people that have been like pinned to banners that have been killed. And he sees like this huge uh, workstations have been like all torn up and rewired. And, and this is the source of like the the, the messages that has been going out. Um, and then. He, oh, he's listening to all. And then his eyes narrow as he sought the source of the voice, his lip curling in revulsion as he saw the massively swollen figure of a man standing before the captain's throne. Little more than a heaving mass of corpulent flesh, a terrific stench of rank meat rose from his fleshy immensity. And it's like, oh, that guy, that. Yeah, that dude over there. OK, like in the open, they don't say he came out from behind something. He doesn't like pop a door open and come in. He's just standing in front of the throne, which is presumably a very central feature of this room. Yeah. The often... camera like pans over him and then like, jerks <laughs> <Yeah>. back. <laughs> but it's just like when Malagurst went into his room and it's like, oh, shit, there's a giant dude here with a glowing armor face. And yeah. Anyway. Although I did feel like the, the way that they talked about Yugen Temba was kind of gross. I mean, not just gross, like, it, it was all, like, getting into the fat, shamey stuff again, even though I, I know that he's swollen with maggots or something, and it's not just that he's fat, but it kind of felt like there were a few things where it was, like... I think they were trying to say he was, like, inhumanly, like, he was... What's okay. her name from Willy Wonka? Blueberry swollen. But they also just seem to think that being Thank fat you. is the worst thing you could be in the world. I mean, that does they seem do that to a be, lot. yeah. That's With common carcassi. in fantasy novels in general, though. That like the oh, big, well, super fleshy fat person is the bad guy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. especially yeah. when you're surrounded Dune is by one of the yeah. most prominent yeah. <laughs> examples of that. Well, especially when you're surrounded by sexy Astartes hard bodies. All over the place. <laughs> and then you so, yeah, literally, like, because they've got a crustacean body. <laughs> God, what was it? A ribless flesh barrel? Yeah. Um, horse faced horse faced flesh, barrel. flesh barrels. Yeah, yeah. I got to bring back classic callback. Sexy. Um, and then we see also that either the either or the or, I forget oh. which one is which. Mm -hmm. uh, either or, or, or. <laughs> <laughs> or either, either, or, or. That that was my <laughs> my note from a couple episodes I think ago. The or died, right? I think I don't know. I, I thought it was. I have it in my notes later. It's in the. It's actually in the dramatis personae. Person yeah, hold on. Moy yeah. Verulum Moy is the or. Yeah. So the or has died, leaving us with only the either. Um, and he has been his neck broken by Yugen Temba, the betrayer. Bum bum bum. And that ends the chapter. Man, is he stuck with that nickname either, or can he? No, I think he just now? has to be the either forevermore now. Ouch. <laughs> That's just. But now least... I'm the only. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Now we get to chapter eight Chaos with a C this time. Horace gets a boo boo and Petronella foreshadower. So, um, 
and then we cut back. We do the thing where we just got to the big conflict and then we're like, let's go talk about Loken for a while. But happily, this time they go from an action scene to a different action scene. Um, and Loken is just killing zombies left and right. And there's a million billion zombies attacking. Astartes are being dragged into the into the mud. Um, everything's grim. And of course, no one. Now, they're not scared. <laughs> well, that's... These space marines aren't scared about what's happening with Horus, but they are brittle yeah, and, and on edge <laughs> and unable to think or fight with their customary ferocity. Not because they're scared. <laughs> I, I, I highlighted that, too. But because they are because concerned. They are, because they are con- is... experiencing something yeah. that was so close to fear <laughs> that it <laughs> could be confused by fear Loken, by a lesser person. Loki knew exactly what they were feeling because he felt it, too. I wrote, felt what? <laughs> Question mark. <laughs> if only there was a word to describe this emotion where you're so yeah. worried about consequences so, of things. So, so Horace goes in and has his dialogue with the evil guy. Or are they both evil? I don't know. But um, what I got really annoyed about is this passage where he says... Horus had known the bad blood between Jubal and Loken, now understanding that such enmity, however trivial, has been the chink in Jubal's armor by which the warp had taken him. I wrote, victim blame much? <laughs> Is it Jubal's fault? Is it Yugentemba's fault that the warp corrupted them? I mean, apparently you have these character flaws. <sighs> I felt like that was pretty rude. <laughs> poor, poor Jubal. Jubal doesn't. Justice, Justice for, for Jubal. Jubal. <laughs> Hashtag justice for Jubal. That's the shirt. Um, But we get a lot of uh, we get a lot of exposition here and learning about chaos and everything from uh, from Temba trying to convince Horus to join up, which I like that he's a giant, horrible, pestilent blob person that's like has weeping sores all over him and everything. And he's like, join up. (laughs) You could have this power. And it's like, I don't know that you're the poster child for selling me on this conversion, but here we are. Surrounded Um, by buzzing black flies, which I think is another phrase that's repeated a lot. A lot. Like with all of the um, kind of otherworldly voices that we get, though, I think that um, Toby Longworth really goes for it on the Yugen Tembo voice. Oh, good. I'm excited. So do you guys want to hear that or do you want to? Try out. Oh, your... let's. Uh, I'd, I'd like to try one out. <laughs> yeah, hold on. You gotta let's get some dialogue. I, so, really, keep this one in mind because I, I I highlighted this. Warmaster said, "Temba, each syllable glottal and wet, as though spoken through water." All right, who wants to who wants to try out their glottal wet I think voice? You should start us off. Need a need a sip for this. Abomination, hissed Temba, shaking his head. Don't you recognize me? Is that too too wet? That was Gollum? definitely Gollum. That was just okay. <laughs> Trixie Horace. <laughs> what has Horace's guts in his pockets? <laughs> yes, okay, fine. I can't do glottal and wet. No, I like it. <laughs> I mean, I think Gollum is glottal and wet. wet. Oh, that's okay. really fair. All right, who's next? I saw it, Warmaster. The galaxy as the wastelands. The Emperor's dead and mankind in bondage to a nightmarish hell of bureaucracy and superstition. Okay, we went from we went from Gollum to Billy Quizboy. <laughs> it, it was in fact the very wet Billy Quizboy. 
And Billy. we're getting less intimidating by the moment, <laughs> I feel, for poor you Temba. Oh, God. Do I have to? I mean. No, you don't have to. I'm not yeah. going to. I don't think I have one. What are you I... talking about? What fate? So <laughs> I, want to do a, I want to do a Pete White as Horace if, if the other one is Quiz Boy. Okay. Billy Quiz Boy. Yeah, um, I, I think this is outside my capabilities, and well, I'm going to defer to... It, it's also clearly outside our capabilities. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. That was the greatest thing I've that ever That was heard. great. I actually really enjoyed that. Let's to the do actual... what, see what Toby does. Okay. Lie, giggled Temba. I can see it in your eyes, old friend. Your ambition is a potent thing, Horus. Do not be afraid of it. Embrace it, and we will not be enemies. We will be allies, embarking upon a course that will see us masters of the galaxy. There's that water I was yeah. looking for. Yeah. Okay, hold on. I got one more. Got he does a couple two in there, which are good. Yeah, it wasn't quite as Some loud mouth as sounds. I was expecting. Okay, hold on. Ooh, mouth Here we sounds. go. Yes. Chapter <laughs> Say it again, my friend. Chaos is the first power in the universe, and it will be the last. When the first ape creatures bashed each other's brains out with bones, or cried to the heavens in the death throes of plague, they fed and nurtured chaos. The blissful release of excess and the glee of intrigue, or is grist for the soul mills of chaos. So long as man endures, so too does chaos. <laughs> nice. Oh, nice. I like how he ends that one. Yeah. He really puts some some oomph on it, it. It sounds like the like Palpatine, but like deeper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get that. I get that vibe. But uh, I like. I I now imagine because I'm looking at a picture of Toby Longworth, and he's sort of just a pleasant looking dude. Um, and so I really want to imagine him like in a cardigan. He's got a little <laughs> mug of tea. You know, he's sitting there getting ready to go. And then he just launches into that. And then he'll sip, you know. And a sip of tea so he can go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's got in there. But we, we learn about chaos here uh, is the important part and how chaos draws its power from humanity and and all of these things. It's going to become an important theme here of chaos attempting to corrupt the War Master Horus, which it's going to go great. Don't even have to worry about so, it. So I was wondering in this chapter if this is a self-fulfilling prophecy situation. You know, he wouldn't have gone on to make this future happen if he hadn't done this, I guess. Oh, oh, wait until uh, wait until next section. Oh, okay. so well, section three. Yeah, yeah. But uh, you know what I mean? Oh, the, the future all is grim and all is war or whatever. All um, is grim darkness. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, only you have the power to stop this future. Uh, in my head, I was like, by not becoming the thing that causes it. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what this is, but yeah. They're going to drive that painfully home later. <laughs> so um, I also like that the fight breaks out um, and he just keeps stabbing Temba and Temba just doesn't die um and at one point his twin cracks as the monstrously bloated traitor's ankle bones finally snap under his weight and i think that is a great horror movie Mm -hmm. it's the big monster and just he's stomping around on his broken ankles and fighting and it's amazingly gross and i'm actually would love to see that in a thing this fight is disgusting in the best way like i really do feel like i know i i feel like i shit a lot on graham 
in the first part of this book. He does action scenes and like the fight mm-hmm. scenes very well. Yes. Like I, I could tell mostly aside from the part where the ship the collapsed, ship, but yeah, that was the- most of it. I could see what was going on. It mm-hmm. felt very cinematic. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, that the ankles snapping and mm-hmm. him like crawling really across that. the floor was mm-hmm. a very visceral image. I also really liked going back at the beginning of the fight that with his sword of fractured blade like patterned obsidian um and it's obviously the sword from <laughs> from the previous planet where the with the interx had but i love the i don't know there's a cool weapon where the guy has to bring it up and he whispers the war master horus to the sword and then it becomes this like super murder blade i wonder how he got that blade i couldn't put anything <laughs> and how did horus not recognize it was he not paying attention on the tour of well, the museum he was very pointedly trying not to pay attention like he wasn't looking at anything remember because they didn't want to seem warlike oh. so i like to think that like they showed him this cool sword and he's just like not staring at it right. he's like i don't care about swords but, but the molding in this room is really... <laughs> you know what i love is the architecture here yeah <laughs> Really brings the room together. So, yeah, he very pointedly didn't look at that sword because mm, didn't want to see it. I didn't remember it. that. Because I was like, why doesn't this dude recognize yeah. this? You I think, think he'd recognize the, like, technology of it, I guess, they, though. They had a whole conversation about it. They were yeah. like, it's a sentient sword, basically, and it won't stop until. Yeah, yeah and it curses people curses. and that sort of thing. Yeah. Was he yeah. there for that, though, or was that just low? No, they were. I, I am, like, feeling like they were like doing a tour you know like when, oh, okay. when you're in a yeah. movie like you're doing a tour and then maybe they're up here doing the main tour and these people mm-hmm. are having yeah. like a little side conversation gotcha. that makes <laughs> I sense i think it was like that okay. but it yeah. is weird that in just a previous chapter here they talk about how he was on this ship 60 years ago and remembered its layout flawlessly well, but he does not recognize the sword <laughs> that he saw like a few months well, ago okay i want to take this a little bit further because he has been denying that they took this blade <laughs> For a while, I'm imagining they sent him some pictures, like, here's what was taken <laughs> from our archives. And he's like, never seen that before. <laughs> so it couldn't have been us. Hey, he asked everybody. And he's like, did any of you guys steal it? And they all said no. So yeah, I just feel like no at this problem. point, he should have been like, oh, <laughs> there <laughs> it is. <laughs> Maybe Erebus lied about it. That's <sighs> impossible. But he's just so focused on the traitor Yugentemba that we all care so deeply about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we get, yeah, and then we get a lot of tears and crying. And he's so sad. He manages to win the fight, but Temba drives the anathema into his shoulder which seems like it hurts real bad um more than it should um and he manages to kill him and then we have a very sweet moment where like it's the the guy dies and then the power of chaos leaves him and then he's left there and he's oh friend i'm sorry uh-huh. i did the thing i was just so sad that you abandoned me that i got all chaosy yeah but he specifically is like no it wasn't just the warp i actually was pissed off right and I also was power hungry, and I did this willingly. But also foreshadows this grim darkness of a future that Horus has to stop. Mm-hmm. Um, then we get Lo- back to Loken, fighting a million billion zombies. Um, they're trying to pull back into the ship. People are being dragged and dragged into the mud. Stardust dying left and right, and then all the zombies just die. Just Classic. everything falls down. Done. Yeah, that's um, a that's a Game of Thrones. Yeah. And like just, of course, at the moment that they were about to be overrun, mm-hmm. they, they have to fall down. So, um, so like Avengers, like so, many they, so many things. Right. Yeah. Like I, uh, yeah. I like that they still keep chopping their heads off and stuff, though, just in case. Just in case. You know, they might pop you up should. at any time. Yeah. 
They're, they're thinking for once. <laughs> yeah, that's zombie 101 yeah. right there. Um, the word bearers, of course, come out mostly unharmed. <laughs> they're like, hey, uh, we were just on the other side of the ship being cool. They all have Starbucks. Cool they're like, what's going on? <laughs> a, a star taze bucks. <laughs> that, one was, that one was rough. That was good. No, it's seamless. Okay, yeah, good. Um, they But they entered the ship. They're all really concerned about... Um, you know what happened to Horus? Uh, they got to go in. Every uh, the whole Morn of All gets together to stomp into the ship. They find that you know Luke Sedere, who we vaguely remember as one of the assault Marines. Uh, they rescue his guys, and they're like, "Ah, oh, yeah, we're fighting zombies." And then they all vanish. It's weird. Um, but they finally show up and get to super super sad Horus, and he's cradling and. The size, all the sizes of the scene, I cannot imagine how this doesn't look anything but ridiculous because mm-hmm. you have huge Horus, mm-hmm. you have a normal guy, but he's super bloated and he's on his lap and just sort of imagining this again, Veruca Salt blueberry thing on giant Horus's um, lap. That wasn't Veruca Salt. What? Oh, who turned into the blueberry? That was, so Veruca Salt was the one. Who was in the chipmunk room and she fell through the thing. Oh. She wants it now. That oh. was um, Violet Beauregard. Violet, Violet Beauregard. Beauregard. Oh, because she turned. I just guess Fruca Salt because they're a band I like. Oh. <laughs> I see what happened here. Again, I was again up to a though, all, all of this is very recent. Yes. And good. Hey, yeah. there is a new Willy Wonka. There is. With yeah. Timmy Sh- Timothy Chow. Timmy Timmy Chow. Timmy Chow. And I think. That's coming out at the same time as Dune. Mm-hmm. So we got dual Chalamets mm-hmm. in very similar roles. <laughs> so practically the same. Oh, my God. Actually, there's a Swapsies I now want to see. You, you want to see Willy Wonka go to... Uh, I want to see Paul Atreides. Yeah, Paul Atreides running a candy factory. Uh-huh. And Willy Wonka going uh, to taking over Arrakis. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Come with me and you will see my golden path of... Salvation. <laughs> oh, that's right on. Pretty good. Um, but anyway, we have a super sad Horus. Um, the Mornival's real concerned. There's a lot of uh, side eye at each other as they're trying to figure yeah, out why he's so. They're concerned, but I feel like they're more concerned about his masculinity than anything. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like we can't Am let anyone see him be sad. Exactly. They're like, we can't let anybody see him like this. Well, there's I don't remember where it's at. It's in one of these sections. And because it, it's a gross thing, and I forget if it's Abaddon crying, somebody crying, and somebody being concerned about how unmanned mm-hmm. he is. And it's like, yeah. Oh, yeah, I hate that phrase. I do too. <sighs> like, it, they're constantly talking about how they don't have emotions, and yet they do. The problem is they don't know what to do with those emotions, so they just punch them into things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, ugh. And it's a. I also think it's a little unfair to be like, oh, because I think it is. It's like, I think it's Abaddon when Horus is hurt. Yeah. And it's like, I think crying because your dad's dying is a pretty reasonable, like, seems like a normal time yeah. to be a little cry. <laughs> um, as Get out of here with like, that girly shit. Not, yeah. if you, not if you're an Astartes. <laughs> I guess. It's, yeah, it's really meant to be fair, though, seeing how everyone loses their goddamn mind about Horus later, which we'll get into <laughs> later. Maybe I see a little bit of their concern, like people could not see Horus. Oh like my this. god, I know. I mean, it is very toxic yeah. masculinity, but yeah. I did not realize in this part until we got to the next part, like, oh, okay, Horus yeah. like holds everything right. together. Together. Yeah. Um 
But yeah, we get to they they walk Horace out of the ship. He he's determined to stand and go out on his own. Um, Petronell is out there with Maggard. They've they've been again fighting for their lives with all the zombies. Um, she she comes up to talk to him, and he's determined. It's like, oh, that's my documentarist. So yes, you have to let let her talk to me. Um, he's very sad about killing Yugentemba. Um, and then of course he she she gets her nemo quill out to start recording all of this and he falls he collapses to the ground because of his wound i was there the day horse fell yes which such I, foreshadow well, it's so literal <laughs> <laughs> yes. i don't think that's what people mean usually when they say the day horse that's why i like he literally fell yes. over <laughs> so like the dual meaning it's like no no not fell like to chaos or something but fell like he, he slipped <laughs> yeah. he, did a little, he fainted. He yeah. did a whoopsie. Yeah. yeah. Well, chapter nine. I guess we'll meet Magnus now. The best transition in the Horus Heresy. And oh, now you're all mad when Space Marines kill a bunch of people. Uh, <laughs> <So>. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I have so much to say well, about that. Well, we'll get to it. Well, first, we got to go through the like three or so pages where they introduce Magnus the Red, uh, Primarch of the Thousand Suns. And they're just out of the blue. Like, it here's this guy. very mm-hmm. out of place. Yeah. There are too many characters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've said it before. Mm-hmm. I was like, who the fuck is this? Yeah. yeah. And like frantically going back through like, them. I don't like, know how I'm supposed to feel about Magnus. Magnus. Yeah. Well, I felt like he's awesome. Really? Yeah. I am, I am I thought, zero shocked. I thought my goth-winged blood primark couldn't be topped, <laughs> but then we get a cycloptic witch man. I'm like, yeah, this is the shit. I think he will be real on board for Magnus going forward. Well, I am intrigued he, by Magnus. He also took like kind of a page out of the old Abnet playbook in this chapter, where we went from a lot of action to abruptly just carcassy chatting. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which I... <laughs> Not uh, only that, chatting in a flashback. Yeah. In a scene. <laughs> well, and about the characters, they do the nested character thing, too, where you have this Magnus guy. And you're like, OK, we're getting the grips on who Magnus is. And Magnus is like, and my three best bros, <laughs> Bosis, Takar, Aramon, and Uthazar, to mm-hmm. name but a few. And uh, you're like, what are we? God. Yeah. Just I wasn't they're... prepared for more names at this point. We also talk a little bit. There's so much in this little three page chunk, too, because they talk about the Council of Nicaea, which is super important later. And they just sort of like, oh, yeah, that's a thing. I think one of my favorite lines about uh, though he had because they talk about it, the Council of Nicaea, where he's not allowed to do sorcery anymore. And then though he had retreated to Prospero and sworn to renounce such pursuits. The planet of the sorcerers had one vital attribute that made it the perfect place for such studies. And it's like, all right, guys, you can't do sorcery anymore. It's like, okay, I'm just going to go back to my home. The planet of the sorcerers. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, I can't help but think maybe you're not listening to. It's too late to change the name. We already named it, but it's just a metaphor. Don't worry about it. Yeah, it's not literally sorcerers. Hmm. But anyway, it's not. Uh, they talk about that he's going to do some sort of ritual magic and magic thing, and then we don't hear about Magnus yeah, forever. Yeah, so, we don't. He, he's irrelevant right. at, at, for the rest of this episode. Right, we're <laughs> and going it to... somehow involves Horace, because he says something like, Horace may yet surprise us yes. or something. Yeah, He's expecting Horace to make some sort of choice or something, but yeah. But we go there. But then we get to Loken, everyone panicking, the Warmaster's fallen, everyone, like you said earlier, losing their absolute goddamn minds. Uh, it's... Uh, and it's wild, like everyone wailing and like clogging the hallways yes. and just I want to see people just like screaming, like tearing their helmets off like no one no one can handle anything. And he's not even actually dead. Yeah, like, he, he just so, slipped. Yeah, he slipped. Uh, uh, 
I liked Carcassy for a split second in this chapter, by the way. And then he did the thing again where I'm like, I hate you. I hate you again. (laughs) Well, but here we're going to get to what I think is maybe my favorite transition that I've ever seen in many books and definitely in any of these books. So they're going on. uh, The Warmaster's fallen. He's dying. The apothecaries are around him trying to save his life. Everyone's screaming. The Mournivals like collapses into their chairs and like they're holding their heads in their hands, weeping, you know, that that this central figure in their life is is laid low and and it's just angst ridden. And then the next sentence is to say that Ignis Carcassi was not a happy man was an understatement. <laughs> his lunch was cold. Mercedes Oletan was late. <laughs> and the wine he was drinking about. wasn't fit to lubricate the gears of an engine. It was... I love everything about that transition. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. The abrupt abnet transition. Yeah. This was a really abrupt it, one. Yes. Yeah. And just such a good comic beat, though, of it's mm-hmm. like, ah, crying. He's like, oh, my lunch is cold. <laughs> this is the yeah. worst thing that's ever well, happened that's to anyone. What I was gonna say, some of my new coworkers are already picking up on the fact that I say it's the worst and making fun of that, you know, because I obviously love to speak only in hyperbole. Right. Um, but like saying, oh, it's the worst about things that are obviously not the worst. Right. And and that's yeah, that's exactly the vibe that I was getting from Just this. A wonderful page oh, break this there. Meal is the worst. <laughs> yes. yeah. I launch into a little mini rendition of I dreamed a dream at the most minor inconvenience. <laughs> <laughs> so I relate a lot to Carcassi. <laughs> um but yeah, we get to Carcassi hanging out. Uh Mercedy shows up. They talk about their friend who's gotten real weird and religious mm-hmm. um, about how Keeler's gotten, gotten strange. Got one. Yes. Um, and he talks about how he had spoken to uh, he he as a flashback to a conversation he had with Euphrates um, about how she's trying to convert him to it. And he's thinking religion's dumb and we need to not do it. They sort of steal a line kind of from um philosophy in there too where he's like the emperor says that you know mankind won't be free until the last the stone from the last church falls on the last priest or whatever Mm -hmm. which is kind of like a there's like a french priest back in the day who said that man wouldn't be free until the last priest is strangled with the entrails from the last king or whatever but i see why they changed it also because the emperor's like i like kings kings are cool (laughs) so we're gonna ixnay that part but Mm. uh we got to keep the murdering priest thing in there yeah and and then of course they go watch this you know them bringing horus back to get uh you know medical help but here's the thing I don't understand why everybody's so upset about the Astartes killing their way through a crowd here. Like, and maybe this is just me showing my hatred of crowds. Like, I <laughs> wow. <laughs> I think you're taking the bold stance of fuck I'm, crowds. Well, I'm very scared of crowds. Like, whenever, like, I read about those horrible things that have happened where there are like crowd swells and people like getting the crowd crushed. Crush, yeah. And I am, that is like my nightmare. And so if I could just blast my way through it, yeah, I would. So for context here, <laughs> the the Mornival and the other Astartes come back and everyone's gathered around because word has gotten out that Horus is, is maybe dead. No one knows what's going on. The, the whole crowds are panicking. The ship is full of people. They're all there to see what happens. They show up. It's a crowded, you know, like bay where their ship lands and they have to get them to the apothecary. And the Mornival and the rest of them just start murdering their way through the crowd. I mean, they are smashing people. They are crushing people under their boots. 
Okay, they make it sound so bad, but then later they say only 21 people died. <laughs> like, listen. Look at Sarah and I now suddenly on He's, the... You are weirdly defending. This is a Shannon-approved murder yeah. spree. <laughs> listen, I was just so annoyed by this group of people. I was too. That was like wailing and screaming uh-huh. and like... Because it, it's not just, oh, a group of people gathered around. It's uh-huh. a mob. It's a of, mob. Like, the whole ship, which I'm imagining is hundreds, if mm-hmm. not thousands of people... Just yeah. clogging the space, and he's literally still alive. Yeah, and they need to get him to the do- and no one's moving. I, I know. Feel like- <laughs> I just feel that maybe nine foot tall killing machines and power armor can like just sort of push their way can through. They? Like they well, don't have to smash like everyone. As they, they were go. just trying to like yeah, knock people out of the way, go- so yeah. that's why they smashed them. <laughs> yeah. they were in the way. I I have to tell you, I feel like this was just I I'm gonna be an Astartes apologist Listen, here. The, Hold on. The Astartes were in no mood to be slowed by this mass of people and brutally clubbed them aside as <laughs> yes, they forced a path yes. through the crowd. They were in the yeah, way. they were in a hurry. The Mornavale led the gurney through the crowds, mercilessly clearing a bloody path through the people before them. Carson saw men and women way. cast yeah. out trip. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Just, <laughs> these people were awful, you are right? Not- <laughs> This is a weird take. <laughs> I like the Sarah's on my side. <laughs> that side of the table is very pro just you know. slaughtering people occasionally. I, I have to admit, and this I don't want to get into too much of what happens later as a result of Horace being ill. I'm just so annoyed by everyone in the Imperium, mm-hmm. that's, at least on this <laughs> ship right now. They're all so... Well, that's the thing. They're killing people who deserve it less all the time. Like, yeah. all the time. They're just minding their own business on their own planets. Yeah. They're not in their way at all. Yeah, these people are... And that's okay? No, these people were asking for it. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> They're just losing Horus, their... Horus, wow. Horus, Like, all sense of society and rules and civility mm-hmm. and reason mm-hmm. just evaporated instantly at the rumor that Horus was dead. Right. And I found Honestly, it so annoying. <laughs> They also need, obviously, to have a little more fear of these people. Well, they, they've they been spending all this time, like, the Remembrancer's there to show them, like, these are the shining heroes of the Imperium. These are the people I that... Yeah. And yet, I think we saw that earlier, that, like, everyone thinks these space brains are great, and then when Cinderman went down to the planet with them, and it's like, oh, God, what you do is gross. <laughs> I hate looking at this. <laughs> well, um, you make... Uh, an interesting point, but I'm still. They don't have ambulances in this world. In this particular case, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I think it's also He's... like you just said, it's not anything that different than from what they usually do. It's just people are seeing it for the first time. Well, they're murdering. Yeah, anyway, fine. Just, <laughs> this is a weirdly yes. pro like all these sad this morning is the thing. people. You can have a nonsensical <laughs> position, but as long as we say it with confidence, yeah, it's there. It's true. Then it's. It's true. I'm being, con- uh-huh. I'm being converted. <laughs> I'm say strong on maybe Space Marine shouldn't murder people, but fine. Um, but after the slaughter, we get Kark. He's real mad. He's oh, how dare they? He's real. He was real incensed about it. And uh, Euphrates Keeler, uh, his eyes narrowed, but he recognized the shapely form of Euphrates Keeler. It's like he didn't God, have to say that. No, he could have just said he recognized Euphrates Keeler. But she's handing out. Lectitio Divinitatis pamphlets, uh, and she wasn't alone. So she's really getting her little, yeah. her little church group. I like together. that the true mystery of this though is where's the where, the, where are these getting printed? Right. Where's this printing? That's press? important later. Yeah. Huh? yeah. <laughs> um, and then we get the captain of the army, um, Varvaris, who I vaguely remember, and Malagur start chatting about 
the slaughter and Varvaris is on team Walter. You shouldn't murder people. And Malager seems firmly on team Sarah and Shannon. <laughs> Sometimes you're going to murder some people. What do you want? What does your want us to do about it? Yeah, that's, I like that's that there's thing. a brief um, bringing back of my very favorite title, the Mistress of Astropathy. Yes. Yes. Um, and yeah, so they have an argument about whether they should do anything about these space marines and Malagers is like, sounds like they're looking for anybody. a fall guy. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then you hear that the veil between worlds grows thin. They says did nothing the mistress wrong. Of Astrobat- <laughs> <laughs> wow. Mourn of all apologists. Yeah, this is great. I'm not sure I'm comfortable with where I do the like their going. choice, though, that they did not show that from the perspective of the Mornifall at all. Like later on, we hear Loken being like, oh, I kind of feel bad about that now. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Loken's like, oops. <laughs> oops, my daisy. We could have been a little more gentle. Yeah. Well, chapter 10, we get to Vaden's Anatomy. Titus starts a prayer circle. Horace stops being polite, starts getting real. <laughs> um but yeah, we get to a it's like a hospital drama scene. I mean, we we're here and people talk about their heart rates growing. I think people are saying stat mm. a lot. There's just a ton of Clear. Uh, yes. putting electrodes all over Horace probably yeah. and we do get to talk a lot about their narthesiums, which is the little tool apothecaries use in Warhammer and they're just sort of a general everything apothecaries do they they narthesium it. They just like they just use shove. that and it's I've, their tricorder. I was going to say yeah, yeah it's okay. their yeah. It's their one shop stop shopping medical device. Yeah. Um, and then and Abaddon, like you say, people losing their mind. Abaddon like slamming the doctor against the wall. It's like, why won't you save him? And it's like, I am working on him right now. <laughs> I need you to not physically assault mm-hmm. the doctor. He's like, to okay, I'm gonna go murder a bunch of servers yeah. instead. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. right? He just keeps cementing himself as my least favorite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, he is by far the worst of the Mornifall. And not to uh not to not to put too fine a point on it, but you won't let him die, snarled Abaddon, and Vaden was amazed to see a terrible fear in the first captain's eyes. He is the war master. Yeah. So. Does that make Abaddon the carry of the group? Because I think it does. <laughs> no. <laughs> Back to our sex in the city. Yeah. <laughs> Did Carrie uh, assault a bunch of doctors? She would. She totally would. Okay. She absolutely would. If Big was in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Totally. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, so then they have to drag Abaddon out. um, And Loken wants to know what's going on. The wound's being weird. They can't figure out what's going on. Um, And so he says, like, if if somebody had the murder weapon, maybe, or the weapon that was used, maybe I would learn something. And I know he says that, like, it's helping, but I can't help but think that Vaden's just like, if Get I tell you this, here. will you go? Away? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah you That's need to go. I got. Yeah, you need to go back to the planet for reasons and just stay there for a while and don't be here. Get out of my so, operating room. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so is this is this moment? You guys think this is Horace's Jesus moment where he's dying? And going to rise from the dead? Or do you think this is his Anakin Darth Vader moment? Mm. I think Anakin Darth Vader. Yeah, I think we're going Anakin. Yeah. It's going to be. That's but who, di- who died of a broken heart? <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see. There's plenty Abaddon? of time for that. 
So the, the phrase drama queen is used in this. I noted that. So like fishwife. Yeah, the so phrase they, drama, drama hey, queen is survived. Do they put on, I guess they do probably have um, remembrancers who put on plays. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, because Torgaden tells Loken not to be such a drama queen, <laughs> which feels a little mean girlsy. You know what, though, but here, I want to say that Torgaden has really grown on me in this book. Same. Really? Okay. I really have liked the buddy comedy of Loken and mm, Torgaden yes. together. And, and I don't... I don't know if it's this chapter, but I was just saying that was when I had this Sherlock Holmes. I felt like (laughs) Loken is Sherlock Holmes and Torgaden is John Watson, but they were both really bad at their jobs. (laughs) We can get into that later. Yes. I think we get into that. I think that's next next chapter. chapter. But yeah, Mm -hmm. we're really seeing the Mornival split into Mm -hmm. like uh, Logaden and Axodon. I I call Um, those the, the A team. Remember? Oh right, that's um, all right. So, so Logodden and the A Team are the two splits of the Mornival. So my big question, I know it's in my notes later, but we'll just throw it in like foreshadowing here. Ooh. So we see a split, it seems to be between Horus and the Emperor on other on one side or the other. So it's weird to me to think if that's the case, that Loken's gonna be Team Emperor over Team Horus. I don't I know. I don't know yet. I don't know yet, but um I may be getting into that too soon. I may- apologize. Uh, d- is there anything we wanted to talk about before we get to the uh, Dias Ire? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Every time. I obviously wasn't ready for this cue. Yeah, I'm glad you were ready. I'm glad you had it ready to go, though. Okay. There. Um, yes, because we have Titus Kassar. Uh, he starts his little prayer circle. Um, yeah, because. I feel like it was so... There were some character things in here that were so unearned. Mm-hmm. They're like, what? Jonah is going to want to be a part of this prayer circle? And it's like, we met this guy for five minutes and he was a dick for the entire time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, I didn't I didn't get the opinion that he was super that anti-God emperor or I, I it was just so unearned. Yeah. I, I don't he was know. even more just like. You need to hide that because you'll get in trouble. Like, not even like you're wrong, but like, hey, dude, don't. If the boss sees you reading that on the clock, you're going to get busted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it, this whole book is a. Uh, I think they were told that they need to have some more human characters, but they're like, oh, we don't have time for these human characters. We've got Space Marines to talk about. But yes. And then we get um, Petronella taking Horace's confession as Horace is like on his deathbed. He's looking real grim and he starts talking about how should he has a lot of imposter syndrome mm-hmm. like should he have been the war master in the first place all of his brothers he's fucked up everything his brothers are gonna make fun of him and how much he loves sanguinius yeah how sanguinius I'm is now the best seeing why when sarah looked online they were seeing just sing weren't you yeah i looked okay. on archive of our own <laughs> and that was the number one ship for the horus heresy series <laughs> and i see it yeah yeah they're in there, all these bros. Um, but I feel like like she should do a shocked Pikachu face about his confession. <laughs> what? Yes. Because it's like, oh, you don't know, but we all actually secretly hate each other and we lose our temper like all the time. Yeah, it's like, what? And it's <laughs> shock Pikachu. And we get back to him being mad that the, the the Imperium used to be cool and now the Imperium's not cool anymore because it's all a bunch of bureaucrats and red tape posers. and it's not about heroes anymore. They used to be punks, but now they're posers. Yeah, <laughs> now just everyone wants to do a bunch of stupid taxes. 
Um, what happened to the violence? Yeah. <laughs> That's what this Imperium it was used built to be on. About. Mm-hmm. But this is where then you go back to the last book and he was like all Team Interrex, which yeah. he should have been because they're the best. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that but doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't really jive with. Well, I think there's a lot of difference in how Dan wrote Horus mm-hmm. and how. Because, yes, I liked Horus in the last book. In this book. It just no. felt like they had like, you know, like 10 steps they need to get Horace right. through. And they're just like, well, he yeah. needs to be on Team yeah. Interax for some reason. And then he needs to be. Yeah. And I think it, it kind of reminds me of, and again, spoilers for Game of Thrones. Like we, I think most of us book readers all saw Daenerys becoming yeah, a, thank you. a uh, tyrant. She was always, always tyrannical. Uh-huh. Always. But it's just that she was murdering the people we wanted her to. Yeah. And, and. Um, but it was always about her, right? And mm-hmm. her right to rule and, and stuff like that. And it, But the only problem in the show was they sped it along a little bit too much for people, you know, to handle. And I feel like that here with Horace. Yeah, I think there there might be a certain amount of like, how many books do we want to devote to Horace going bad? And they're like, six? And they're like, no, three. And they're like, oh, <laughs> shit, three? Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, okay, let's let's do this. Speed run this, this character development. Yes. Um but yes, and yeah, she shocked Pikachu faces of this thing that he's telling her all no, these I things. No, I think she's genuinely allegiance. shocked. Well, yes. <laughs> who's, I the, think, who's the Night Haunter? Oh, we, we, I don't <laughs> That's think. That's all I care about. We don't now. get to him for a while. That is my favorite Primark is that is the Legion that I play in the Horus Heresy miniature war game is the Night Lords led by the Night Haunter, also named Conrad Kurz. Yes, Conrad <laughs> with a K. C-U-R-Z-E, Kurz. Oh. Oh. It's one of my favorite names. That's a great name. Yeah, it's he's very, it's all based on uh, Heart of Darkness uh, sort of thing. Anyway, it's shameless. But uh, we. I don't think we see, sadly, Night Haunter for a while, but we see him down the road. Um, and he is, again, my favorite Primarch by far because uh, he is. I don't know we've got so much Horus talk when we have blood angels and cycloptic witches and night haunters <laughs> right. we could be dedicating books to. <laughs> could, I think there are other books. Yes, we get to those. They get down the road. But the first three, I mean, again, the the right at the front of the book, at the top, it is called yeah. the Horus Heresy. It's not mm-hmm. called the Cyclopean Witch Boy Heresy. <laughs> it's not called uh, things. Although there is something in the series called the Folly of Magnus. So ah. we might get to that later on. Um Anyway, chapter 11. Loken learns about guilt. For kid apothecaries, space marines need therapists. Manly tears. So this is the this is a whole chapter of just sad space marines. Mm-hmm. Um, it is Loken being like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have killed a ton of people. Loken's not on your guys' side for <laughs> he should be murdering crowds of people. Loken feels bad that maybe they shouldn't have killed a ton of folks. You know what? I've always been iffy about Loken. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like he doesn't feel that bad. I, yeah. He's kind of he like, yeah, it's a bit it. much. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I will grant you he spends about half a page. And yeah. then he's like, anywho, moving on to what I'm doing. Um, but you're seeing candlelit vigils. You're seeing, again, the whole everyone's gone mad with what's going on here. Uh, we also then get to see, again, that obviously Abaddon and Aximond and all, they need therapists. Therapists need to be assigned to space marines. None of them can process their feelings. None of them can manage their anger. Yeah. Um, so Torgodden and Loken are going back to the planet. Yeah. They tell either, get in, loser. <laughs> <laughs> we're looking for, we're doing, we're looking for clues. Uh, yeah. 
Um, one thing that I wanted to mention here, I don't know if you guys picked up on it when they went back to the surface. Torgaden says we should have we should have bombed the wreck from orbit. Did you guys pick up on that? Mm-hmm. I felt like that was a distinct aliens reference. <laughs> the only I, way to be sure. I mean, was that was this not a on purpose reference? I don't know. I feel like it's. I don't know. But again, they made a lot of a lot of questionable tactical decisions concerning that ship in general. Um, but we have uh, Air, uh, uh, Abaddon, Axamon. They're all trying to deal with the fact that they're mad. And then it's time for them to have a little lodge meeting. So they get to chat with their I can't say brothers. Mm. Twirly mustache Erebus is oh. there. <laughs> Which. Why does nobody pick up on this? Oh, and Erebus shows up and he's like the. Um, what's her name? Goop. Gwyneth Paltrow. She's like the Gwyneth Paltrow of this. He's like, so the medicine's not working. But I totally know this cave where a bunch of snake priests. They can put some jade eggs up his butt. Yeah. <laughs> he's going to be fine. And I love because I love the arguments like if we do nothing, he's going to die. So my suggestion, snake cave. <laughs> it's like, How what? you guys feel and about snake cave? And they're all on board yeah, because they all... they're all brothers. Look, and I just want to say I do not blame the lodge in general for this at all. I think it was a good idea. I mm-hmm. think Erebus, you know, eh, that's the problem. You still can't trust people unconditionally. Right. That's the problem. But he's in the lodge, so he These wants to be a These people still need guy. to use their fucking brains. Well, well that's not their structure. Also, Loken and Torgaden couldn't have left a note. Like, this is why you always leave a note. <laughs> no, I think, they know, I think they know that they were going there, right? Because they must have sent word to them. No, because they're like, because they talk about, they're like, we need uh, Torgaden right. and Loken. And yeah. they're like. And they're like, Loken's not one of us. Fuck that guy. And then they're like, well, we don't know yeah, where Targon is. Yeah, you're right. So. Horace should show up saying, that's why you always leave a note. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, but, yeah, I just, if they had let them know, hey, we think the weapon's going to help. We're going to get it. Yeah, we have a plan. But yeah. the weapon wouldn't help, Probably though. not. <laughs> I don't think it would. Well, but, okay, we have two, two, it's like, if we do nothing, Horace dies. And we have solution one, maybe the weapon that has a sample of this poison that's killing the war master, maybe the apothecaries can look at that and formulate some sort of antidote. That's plan A that maybe they'll do. Plan B is snake temple, uh, <laughs> goop magic. <laughs> I know which one seems like a better idea yeah, yeah. of those two. And we yeah. learned that they can just put him in stasis. Yes. So it doesn't seem as urgent as. Yeah, they're like, we had to put him in a stasis field so he wouldn't die. It's like. Do that. Well, <laughs> do that yeah. all the time. Actually, just take Until, them home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, um, but anyway, so they go down, and then we get yes, we get the uh, Sherlock Holmes. They find the Abaddon Torgaden. Um, Who could have done this? Right. Um, I love. There's two things in there that I love. One is he finds a mysterious box, and then he opens it, and then he's like, "Fuck, that could have been a trap." Um, <laughs> yeah, I did like that. I did like that. <laughs> Loken. Just like immediately like, oh, oops. Yeah. Goofy. Um, <laughs> and then everyone, it, it this had just the energy of a D&D party trying yes. to figure out what's going on. And they're like, they find the arm with the sword and it's just them all standing around it. And it's like, well, that could be dangerous. And they're all like, you know that they're asking the game master. It's like, I uh, can I roll arcane? Yeah. Uh, can I do a, a check for traps on here? <laughs> and the game master's like, you don't see anything. And it's like, uh, OK. Um, and they like are carefully breaking the fingers of the guy and like 
trying to dump it in the box without touching it. And it's just... <laughs> and there's the moment of Loken laying the box down next to the sword and being like, oh! <laughs> like, like a toddler spirits. doing one of those puzzles. <laughs> It's true. It's true. It's just like that. It's like there's no way he could have known until he put it right next to it. Like everything about this, he should have been able to tell. He was putting other things in the box that didn't fit. (laughs) The square. He takes the arm. Tokatoma's arm and tries to shove it in there. Torgotten's just standing behind him looking over his shoulder. Did, did the arm fit? Did, did the arm fit? No? What okay, about this thing th- I found over here? Yeah, try this wrench. Does this wrench fit? <laughs> well, and I like that also, what does that... It's like they have the sword, which he's like, that's the sword from the temple of whatever, the call of devices of the Interex. And it's like, oh, they brought it in a box. I don't know. It takes him a minute to realize because the box has runes on it, yeah. right? That are like Look, the language of that. This like, is their first time doing an escape room. Give them a break. <laughs> okay. Oh, this is grossest escape room. You have to dig through a big, gross, maggot ridden body. I would body. go to that Either is like, I'm room. on it. I'll dig through the dead. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, he's a uh, surprising. Also, I like that. Uh, that you know, they brought a real. It had a real fancy box uh, for its thing. They all know? bought. A hunt a killer box. They were solving. <laughs> determined to get this done. Not sponsored. <laughs> um, I also like the little bit where, you know, Torgodon tells him to be careful, and Loken Loken does a Torgodon-esque sarcasm of, you know, thanks, Tarek. And here was me about to throw it about. But they point out that when he said Tarek's name, the sword like sort of tingled a bit, and I thought that was a cute. And he like, like quickly threw it. Like, oh, shit. <laughs> does that mean it's gonna go after Tarek now? No, I think he's just like that. He got an idea of like, oh, this this sword murders people when you say their name kind of yeah, thing. Like, yeah. But then he throws it in the box abruptly and calls it. You know, thing. But yes, then he figures out, like you say, he finally puts these all these clues together, which have not been subtle. Um, <laughs> and he realizes that that's the anathema that was stolen. Oh, my God. Here we go. Um, and then everyone goes down to the planet. Uh, with Horus to bring him to Snake Temple, Snake, Gwyneth Paltrow, Goop Temple. Um, and everyone shows up like we have crowds of people are going down and it turns into a real burning man situation <laughs> of everyone's there to see what's going on. Yeah. Because um, like I say, everyone's going nuts. I can't wait to get crushed again. <laughs> um, and then I think uh, God, that would have been really funny if they crushed them all the way out. <laughs> In fact, like every time they go anywhere at this point, they're like just slaughtering a dozen people. Like, I f- <laughs> uh, yeah, yes. It's like the, the ship just lands on a bunch Sarah, of people. Sarah's losing it. They can't help it. I love like the the ship like lands on a bunch of people. Like the little embarkation ramp like slams Slam down on a couple more people. people. Yeah, they come the river stomping out. I see it as like a real like Monty Python animation style of like just this carnival carnival crowd going over. But um, sorry. And then somebody has like a little sad. I think Axamon has like a sad memory of him at Olnor with the the War Master, and the War Master's like. When you come to the edge of all that you know and are about to drop off into the darkness of the unknown, faith is knowing that one of two things will happen, the War Master had told him. And what are they, he had asked, that there'll be something solid to stand on or you'll be taught to fly, laughed Horace as he jumped. And the memory made the tears come all the harder as the huge iron gate of the embarkation deck rumbled close behind them. 
So he's just manly tears. Just mm-hmm. everyone is just weeping left and right. I feel the worst for him because I feel like he thinks he's so smart, but he's really not. And he got scammed because of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think any of them are real sharp in this organization, but yes. Mm-hmm. No, mean, but he he's the clever one, right? right? Yeah, <laughs> the silent and the clever, yes. Um, finally, we get to chapter 12. Oh, can I do a quick aside before oh, we get yes, to chapter 12? absolutely. Okay. This is my, I've been saving all of my music references for the episode, my music <laughs> reference credits. Oh, that's your oath of moment is you're only going to make so many <laughs> uh-huh. music references per episode. So last episode, I made a really quick Mortis reference. It sounded like I was referencing Portis head, but I said Mortis heads because Mortis is a Norwegian musician who dresses like a troll. Check him out. I'm on board for all of that. Um, so he has a song called Marshland. So as we were approaching this section, I was like, oh, this can be a good Mortis chapter. Little did I know, I re-listened to the album while I was reading and Every song fits into this chapter almost as if the author was <laughs> listening to this album. And I've got the song tracks and references here. I'll go through really quickly. So there's a song called Parasite God. Okay. I feel like that's pretty close. Mm-hmm. Spirit in a Vacuum. Okay. Because there's spirits, the vacuum of space. It's kind of a stretch. You put a hex on me. Oh. Everyone leaves. Or, uh-huh. you know, Marshland. There's a song called Anti-Mental. And I was like, well, that doesn't add up. But the lyric in there, the chorus is, must control the, must control the, must control the evil demon. Oh. Uh-huh. Uh, smell the witch. And they walk into the chamber and the first thing, like, what's this smell? Yeah. So anyway, that's my Mortis. Wow. So now I want to see. Looking up Mortis? I want to see if Mortis is like a big Warhammer fan. Mortis, if you're oh. listening, which I know you are. Oh, right oh this album came out from 2001, so this is pre-book. Oh, okay. Well, so maybe no, Graham. Th- book was pre. No, oh. 2001. No, yeah, 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 yeah. You're right. Graham. Graham, Graham McNeil. McNeil's a big Mortis fan. Yeah. Right in. If you're a fan of Mortis and you were inspired by this album, I do like this troll outfit. <laughs> so. Right on. I wanted to specify that he dresses like a troll so that you know I didn't mean like he's an internet troll when I said he's a troll. He oh. might he might like identify as I don't a troll. Know what if, a troll if Mortis is a like. troll, I wanted to be respectful of him being a troll, but I wanted to qualify that it yeah. wasn't. He's not. He presents as a literal troll, troll, not a like literal, an internet troll. Like, right. I, like to, I like to think a troll can dress however they want to. Yeah. Well, and you can do a, what we do in the shadows where the troll is also an internet troll. Oh, yeah. Uh, I did like that. So that was there's right. an episode a nice where a literal troll is internet troll. Anyway. When I saw Mortis Life, he did flip off somebody in the crowd. So oh. that's something, I guess. Um, but to chapter 12, Carcassy reinvents hate tweeting. Horace gets really into holistic medicine. And Loken, bigger foreshadower. So... Uh, it starts with Ignacy is writing a bunch of angry poems and leaving them everywhere. And he finds a mechanical printer because, again, that's the true mystery is where is Euphrates printing all of her all of her pamphlets um, and scattering those about. Um, it's not super exciting, but he's I like that he's obsessed with writing all of this. And it's like everything he's done up until now was a prologue. And he's this is the most important poems. He's he's poeming harder than anyone's ever poemed before. Um, and then we have some like comical back and forth where like there. I think these ships are passing each other where like they're flying down to Davin's Davin. <laughs> they're flying back from Davin's moon to the ship. They're like passing each other. They get back and Loken's like, where the hell did everybody go? And they're like, oh, you just missed them. They just left to go down to this weird temple sort of thing that's going on. Um, And they're getting real concerned. And of course, he finally reveals to Torgod and he's like, I don't think I don't think this Erebus guy's on the level. Um, I'm I'm really concerned about that. And and 
you know, they have to yeah. it's so much, go investigate. It's so much funnier than that, though, because it's Loken being like, I have a theory, but I can't tell you. And Torgotten being like, is it is it that it's Erebus? Because I know. <laughs> <laughs> I did really like that. And this is where I wrote, Torgotten is now one of my favorites. What is happening? Same. <laughs> where did this turn around? Um, but they fail, you know, they, they land at the thing and they get there. And they've, of course, they're like marching to the K, the temple or whatever, where it's going. And they they get there. Explain what the kind of marches they're doing. Well, because they have to get there comically, like just as the doors close, (laughs) like they see this all happening and they get there like right before anyone can do anything about it. And then they're like, there's no way to open this door from the outside. You just put the guy in there. And Loken's just like, you just left him on like the floor in this temple. And it's like, yeah, yeah, it's going to be magic. And Loken, mind you, this is a temple on a like quasi feral planet where people live in yurts. And he's like, well, with all of my military technology, there's no way I could get in there. So (laughs) I guess I give up. You're right. What I'm so mad about is because it's how many things have they blasted their ways into? Just bring it. Bring the Titan, the Deus Irae, yes. down there. <laughs> Wait, bring yeah. the what? <laughs> what should you What should you bring the, down to the planet to solve this problem? The, the ah! Deus <laughs> day is like, Imagine this, and it just smashing through the snake doors. Bam. Bam. Just kicking it. <laughs> just a, a tiny boot would solve all of this problem. But, and I think it's just an example of how credulous everyone is that he just takes their word for it. They're like, yeah, you can't open the door now. And it's like, oh, shit, I can't open the door now. Well, OK, <laughs> I guess that's the rules. We also get to talk a little bit about how the Daphnites are uh, hirsute mutant people. <laughs> so and they're just all like, well, that's weird. Anyway, I was imagining kind of Planet of the Apes. Yeah. Um, I hope they have the same hierarchies. There are orangutans in the background going like pointing, <laughs> directing people like, yeah, we we built all the huts down there. I don't know <laughs> if I got that far into the, um, is Dr. Zayas an orangutan? He's a, yeah, okay. no, no, he's an orangutan, Dr. Zayas. Because I, I, I don't quite remember, I don't know if I got as far into the Planet of the Apes-averse as you maybe did. But they, yeah, they get down there and again, they're like, well, you can't do anything about it. He's locked in there. There's no, no changing it. Not allowed to get him out. Um, and they have a whole throwdown fight. And this is where we see the true, uh, the A-team and uh, Logodon uh, finally, like, really go splitsies. And even then, Axamon's like, Torgodon, no, please <laughs> stay with us. We're doing right. And Torgodon's like, you're wrong. Abaddon's a dumb. So <laughs> they get real mad. And then it ends with, again, the line, I believe we will all rue the day you brought the war master here. It's like, will you? Will you <laughs> <Yeah>. think? <laughs> so more foreshadowing as we wrap up chapter 12. Also, uh, Axamon really pulling a like white woman with crystals and a nose piercing going like, oh, look, the moon's shining in that yeah. pool. <laughs> so it's, we're good. Yeah, it's, we're right. That's an omen. Because <laughs> moons. Omen. Yeah. So, yes. And then, yeah, Loken gets all mad about it so um all right but that's so yeah this chapter so we really turned the corner a little bit on Graham uh for this section we finally got some some proper violence uh sort of things going on yeah so i have some big news Ooh. i i think you guys are probably aware of it but i'm telling the audience which is that we got our first fan mail. <sighs> oh yes we did <laughs> uh from paul and paul 
Use a real email address next time. I tried to write you back. It bounced back. (laughs) (laughs) Who are you, Paul? Who are you? Oh, and it's funny because Shannon's like, did you write this email and do it under a fake name? I was just talking to Walter about how much... I felt like we were reading too much at once. I didn't have enough time. As you guys, you our listeners may know, we all have full-time jobs. We all have a lot going on. Um, and in fact, this weekend, we're hosting some people because uh, in the Kansas City area, a lot of people are without power for days. So uh, there's a lot going on around here. And I had just been talking to him about wanting to shorten uh, how much we are reading at once. And I got um, this email from Paul being like, oh, I feel like I'm not going to be able to catch up on <laughs> what we're reading. But Paul, I, I wrote a I wrote a heartfelt message back to you, thanking you for being our first uh, listener writer, and uh, and I got a big fat, you know, can't can't deliver this. <laughs> yeah, Paul, right back. You're in trouble. Tell us who you are. Yeah, <laughs> we really appreciate this first uh, fan mail, but also do it right. No, um, <laughs> that's probably not the right way but to respond. Paul wants us to. He said, "Hoping to see my beloved Fulgrim make an appearance soon." Now, I don't. They mentioned. I think they did. They mention Fulgrim at some point, or is that not a? Yes, Fulgrim. <clears throat> sh- did Fulgrim show up in the last? I mean, the I don't the, know. the Emperor's children are Fulgrim's legion. I feel like I heard that name maybe even in these chapters, and I was like, "Oh!" But I've seen you guys. I've seen ful- the Fulgrim book near the toilet. So Walter, where I do, <laughs> where I do my finest reading, obviously. <laughs> Is where it's done. But Again, we I, all have full time jobs. Right. <laughs> I have been uh, I have been rereading Fulgrim, um, and that may be. Uh, but we have these first three books. We have, uh, you know, Horus Rising and False Gods, followed by Galaxy and Flames, which wraps up the trilogy. And after that point, we get to kind of choose. We get to sort of choose where we want to go from there. So mm-hmm. I've, I'll probably come up with some suggestions. Maybe we'll see which direction people want to go. Exciting! I didn't yeah. realize that was in our future. They stop being so linear right after these mm. first three books, and then it's more like, what are these people doing at this time? Gotcha. But uh, all of that is to say, really, we have a plan to do slightly smaller sections because these episodes have been getting really, really long. So if you guys notice, we're going to give you a smaller section that we're going to cover for the next time. So for next episode. And we plan to do this because I know this is a question. We plan to do these episodes about every two weeks is the goal. Yes. We got uh, dreams. Yeah, we have dreams of that. So the next section will be chapters 13 through 15, 13, 14, and 15, about 50 pages. Then we're going to finish this book in three further sections. So to make it a little more manageable, a little more bite-sized, lets us dig in a little deeper to some of the nonsense. Maybe, you know, now that we have all these fans out there, it's very possible that people could submit, you know, more chunks of show that uh, maybe script bits that, you know, mysterious listeners could send in of examples of like pre-done. I don't know how much work's being done with the writer's strike <laughs> and yeah. everything. But also, I think a lot of these actors and writers might be working on side projects on their own because they have time. And you might hear some of those is all I'm saying. It could happen. <laughs> could be a thing that shows up. So excited. Yes. So uh, do we have any questions for Henry Cavill? Well, I, I actually am very interested with the strikes going on. Which we support. Absolutely. Yeah. Get these people paid. Writers, actors, all of them deserve some stuff. But what I was going to say that since I think Henry has a lot of spare time now, what new army is starting? So, I mean, new edition, all these new armies are different. I I'm really Tyranids are good now. Tyranids are real cool. Oh, they got it. They showed a bunch of cool models you guys, this last I like, week. I like some bugs. Um, I'm, I'm really looking at Gene Stealer cult uh, personally. But uh, so, Henry, let me know what you're playing. And again, you have any time, want to get some games in. Gene Stealers, more like Gene Inserters. They, they are. They, they do not steal genes. They, in fact, 
Yeah. Put jeans in. <laughs> this is more. Sarah, Sarah and I are looking at Sarah, one another. Like, Sarah and Eric are like um, still at the zeros. Yeah, yeah. we're yeah. still very. Far I've been secretly... We're not going to get to Gene Stealers anytime soon. Okay, cool. Uh, with any of this going on, but uh, there's a, a monster in, in Warhammer called a Gene Stealer, and they actually don't steal genes. They insert genes, but whatever. They have an <laughs> ovipositor though, which is always a good. Yeah, right. There's a good horror thing going on. Anyway, they're one of my favorite factions in Warhammer. But. So, do we want to do some plugs? Mm. Is it plug plugs. time? Yeah. Plug it up. Um, I, I just have, hey, there's a store called Tabletop. We do a bunch of cool Warhammer stuff. We do a bunch, do a bunch of other cool stuff. But. And if you go say hi to Walter, he always tells me about it when he comes home. I do. Hey, I we do had often. a listener coming. I do so share great. these stories. <laughs> yes. Well, I like seeing people coming in. There was yeah. actually a moment where two, maybe you'll know who you are out there, where somebody came in and was talking to me about an episode of the podcast. And then someone else was like, oh, I was listening to that and wanted to talk about that it. And it was really a very cool. heartwarming moment. So, yeah. you guys. It makes all this keep it up. free labor seem worth it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, seems exciting. But anyway, uh, Eric, what you got? Well, I've been in kind of an art funk, which I'm sure some people can relate to. And I'm probably going to do an art purge soon. So, I'm afraid to plug any of my own stuff because I don't know what will exist in You got to get some days. bondsmen's. Oh, yeah. Get What's your bondsman that? notebooks. Oh, yeah. yeah. So instead, I know, I think maybe you did. Somebody last time just plugged other people. So I thought I would do that yeah. and be ch- charitable the time instead. So if you're in the Kansas City area, I just thought of three DJs that I really enjoy. I haven't been out much recently, but um, DJ Kim Barely Legal. I've only seen her in Lawrence, but she's great. Uh, DJ Rico, I've only seen in KC. DJ Rico's awesome. And then uh, DJ Stevie Cruz, I've seen in both places. And, how is he's, Cruz he's well spelled, known. though? Oh, is it oh good Q? question. It's, it's, <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, it's C R U C, I think. Okay. okay. Sadly, I know you're joking, but I also like wanted to plug I know, him, I so. know, I know. <laughs> Sarah. I, I have nothing to plug. I have seen that some of you seem to be visiting my website. I'm sorry I haven't posted anything on it in like six months. I'm also in a bit of an art funk, but um, I'm still working on some new stuff, so hopefully it'll be up soon. But my website should be linked in the description. Sounds like we have the same kind of funks where it's like, yeah. I'm still creating. I just hate everything yes. I've ever done. I hate everything I do is terrible and yeah. not burn it for human consumption. Oh, that we, being we said, have, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, we have an Instagram. We have mm-hmm. a, a Facebook. I don't, uh, we're, we're not really doing that much on social media yet, but if people wanted to send us anything fun, any fan art well, i was gonna names. say speaking art i did put as i promised last time when i got back from recording mm-hmm. last time we did this i made a chick track for <laughs> for the imperium yeah. and i challenged everyone else to do so i so i filled up my i did my end of the bargain mm-hmm. and that is posted yeah, up Yeah, if people send me their chick tracks if you guys are familiar with those you might not be because i feel like it's a distinctly midwestern <laughs> thing <laughs> And I'll put, by the way, if anybody, I'm not going to do this work without being prompted, but if there's somebody out there that wants to make a chick track, I can put like a format file up. I'll be happy to provide that. But you have to reach out and say that you want that and then I'll do that. So, yeah, if you want that. So anyway, for next episode, uh, we're going to be reading chapters 13, 14 and 15, 13 through 15. And so get on that if you want to be caught up with us. And thank you for listening to Zero to 40K. Walter knew Warhammer real well, so he seized every opportunity to tell anyone he could about the books, but no one ever gave them a second look. So he thought, hey, I'll start a podcast. And he gathered around him together at last. Three friends willing to jump into the fray and go from zero to 40K.
Check out everything we're up to at 0240k.com. Pew, pew, pew. Pew, pew, pew. <laughs> 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 <laughs>